Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. My name is Steven, and this is the Storytime channel. First things first, a big congratulations to last week's giveaway winner, Tiffany Kendall. I do a giveaway every week for an Amazon gift card, so if you're interested in entering and don't know how to, stay tuned until later in the video, and I'll tell you exactly how to enter to make sure you have the best chance at winning. That said, let's get into our first story of the day by Zard Queen. Don't touch my stuff. In college, I had a randomly assigned roommate that I did not get along with at all. Our personalities were just on two opposite ends of the personality spectrum, and we clashed. The only things we had in common were that we went to the same college and lived in the same apartment. That's it. Anyways, it was a nightmare living situation. The apartment had four rooms and two bathrooms. She and I shared the same bathroom as our rooms were next to each other. We had two roommates on the other half of the apartment that we both got along with. After over eight months of just pure passive aggressiveness towards each other, like I would put sticky notes on her day's old dirty dishes and she would put my wet laundry on the floor, she decided to report me to apartment management for bullying her. Honestly, we were doing it to each other. However, the apartment management took pity on her because I was tall and athletic and she was six inches shorter than me and very thin. She claimed I physically intimidated her and she was scared to live with me. She did this because she wanted to move to a new apartment without paying a $500 fee, but instead the apartment issued a written warning. The warning stated that we were to not touch any of each other's personal belongings without written permission. First infraction was a $250 fine. Second infraction was a $500 fine. And a third infraction would result in eviction. I was so scared walking out of the office because I could not afford those fines and she had the biggest smile on her face. I knew that she would immediately report me. I went back to the apartment and she left for work. I was mortified. Then I realized she made a huge mistake. Everything communal in the apartment belonged to me and she was a super moocher. I told my other roommates what had happened and they were shocked. I asked if I could use their bathroom temporarily, and they said, of course. So, I immediately emptied out everything that was mine in our shared bathroom. Shower curtain, toilet paper, rug, towels, soap. I grabbed my magnetic whiteboard and listed out everything in the kitchen that belonged to me. Plates, cups, mugs, pots, pans, silverware, coffee maker, toaster, potholder, towels, literally listed every single item and said that she is not allowed to use any of it without my written, no texts, permission. I also drew some eyes to remind her that everyone was watching. I popped that whiteboard on the fridge and went in my room to do some homework. Later, she came home from work and had a meltdown. She screamed. Not any words, just a blood-curdling scream. In the following couple of days, her father came to the apartment to threaten me that they were getting a lawyer. Hello, well. She bought her first roll of toilet paper and a plastic shower curtain, but it was too much for her to handle. 
She went back to the main office to report my bullying once again and was instead told she could either deal with it or pay $500 to move to a new apartment. She moved out seven days after the warning was issued. This girl sounds like she had everything handed down to her. If you had a roommate that was obviously mooching off of basically everything you provided for the rooms like soap, towels, that kind of thing, would you go out of your way to safeguard all those items to make sure that only you could use them? As kind of a germaphobe myself, I probably would. Let me know in the comments down below if you would or if you would willingly share those items. This next story is by Arsilex. Follow court orders? You got it. This is an ongoing story with a friend of mine who is going through heck with her ex, who is the father of her four children. Bear with me as this will be long but worth the read. Backstory to the situation is she stayed with her ex for 10 years, primarily out of abuse, manipulation, and control. She didn't recognize it as such back then, but her eyes were finally open to the way she was being treated that she was able to leave the relationship for good. However, with four children involved, she has the unfortunate task of remaining in contact with him. After the split, they went before a judge to determine custody, visitation rights, and child support requirements. The children were to remain in her care as sole custody, though her father could have them visit every other weekend and, with her permission, could have the children stay overnight. He is required to pay an undisclosed amount of child support, which is typical in any custodial arrangement. For the past two years, the father has shown little interest in the children, though he kept using tactics of manipulation to enforce visitation, which she begrudgingly went along with. He lives an hour and a half away, and when he requested to see the children, she would make the three-hour trip to drop them off, and then make the three-hour trip to pick them up. Often, he would only allow one or two of the children visitation, so this often left the remaining children feeling unloved or unwanted by him. His sole reason for requesting visitation was to create problems for her, and her children suffered as a result. While they were in his care, he often could not provide for them and instead relied upon his mother to feed them and shelter them. Two weeks ago, he decided to start harassing her, insulting her, claiming she was a negligent parent and sending child welfare services to investigate her. Please note, she is far from negligent, spends every non-working minute with her children, ensures they are fed, clothed, and all their needs met. She frequently takes them to the lake or out to ice cream or on little adventures. There is not one moment in the day her attention is not focused on them except when she is working her job. This all started because her five-year-old had a stain on his t-shirt. Utterly ridiculous. Now for the malicious compliance. Many times he has called her phone. She ignores the phone calls because she does not want to give him a chance to verbally assault her on the phone. He never leaves any messages, however, and twice showed up unannounced and demanded visitation with the kids. She obliged just to get him out of her yard and to stop the current harassment. However, after the last interaction, he made one mistake. He threatened to take her to court for not complying with the court order. He claimed that his ignored phone calls meant non-compliance with visitation rights, despite the fact that he never left a voicemail explaining why he called, nor texted a simple message saying, Hey, I want to see the kids this weekend. So, her response? You want me to follow the court order as it is written? Sure. 
She wrote out a calendar of visitation dates and sent him a copy. The dates were two weeks apart as specified in the court order. He was granted visitation from 10 a.m. until 5 p.m. every other Sunday, no overnight stays. She demanded that he pay his child support as court ordered and she would seek legal counsel should he fail to pay his obligation. But the best part of this compliance? The court order stated a pickup and drop off location. For two years, she drove three hours round trip to drop them off and three hours round trip to pick them up. However, the court order says pickup and drop off is at a location 15 minutes from her house. He is required to take all four children with him, can be no more than 15 minutes late with pickup or drop off, and now has to drive two and a half hours round trip for visitation. Failure to adhere to his bi-weekly schedule can result in a loss of visitation. Failure to adhere to his child support obligation can result in a loss of driver's license. He doesn't have a job currently. He also has to borrow a car with appropriate car seats in order to pick up his children. He must take all four children rather than pick one or two that he can accommodate. And yes, he is struggling to meet all the demands of the court order he claimed she was not following. And yes, she is currently seeking legal counsel to get him out of her life permanently. Be careful what you wish for. After reading through this, I'm really glad that the dad was, quite frankly, dumb enough to suggest that she follow the agreement they had reached in court because, well, he wasn't following it at all. So the simple act of her complying to the legal agreement which they should have been doing all along actually took all the burden she was bearing and shifted it all over onto him and kind of twofold. Because not only did he have to deal with the drives and whatnot, but he had to deal with taking care of all the children, which obviously he wasn't able to do, and it really, really pressures him on his child support obligations, which he absolutely should have been doing anyways. I'm definitely hoping for the best for the mom and all four children in this situation. This next story is by SDust15. Was a fire extinguisher really necessary? So here I am making just over minimum wage, 15 Canadian dollars an hour, commuting 100 plus kilometers round trip per day to get a foot in the door in the aviation industry. My job was to tow 30 plus planes around the apron for a private flight school. One cold winter morning, one student and instructor are having a fair amount of trouble getting one of the Cessna 150s, two-seat small plane, to start up. Well, one of the maintenance apprentices happens to be on the flight line and he decides they're doing it wrong and that he can help get her going. So he piles a bunch of fuel in via the engine primer and starts cranking. No dice. Still more fuel, still no dice. Tries a flood start procedure, by memory no checklist, and still nothing. For context, this dude is standing on the ground beside the small plane, leaning in over the student and using the controls. I'm watching this go down knowing something ain't right, but because I'm not an apprentice and hold no maintenance qualifications or a pilot's license, nothing I suggest will be considered. This had been proven time and time again and I was pretty fed up after quoting procedure and policy verbatim, yet certain employees and management just didn't care. For clarity, I was busy as freak, tending to the rest of the fleet but keeping tabs on this particular plane as all this was going on. When suddenly, I see flames wafting out of the engine cowling. 
so I do what I'm trained and run over to give the hand signal for fire while pointing towards the cowling. Now, this situation goes one of two ways by the book. Either A, the engine is running so you try to elevate the engine speed and essentially blow the fire out slash suck the flames into the engine, or B, the engine isn't started so put the bloody fire out ASAP. They clearly were not getting it started and not heeding my frantic hand signals only a few meters in front of them, so I go grab a fire extinguisher from the hangar wall and dash back towards the now visibly smoking plane yelling, FIRE FIRE FIRE, followed by, GET THE FREAK OUT, as I pull the pin and hose that baby down. The fire is likely extinguished pretty quickly, but I laid on it heavy just to be sure. After all, there's three people more or less inside the cockpit. After the dust settles, I get pushback from some people on the maintenance side, the aforementioned apprentice included, about whether that was really necessary and complaints about how now they have to inspect slash fix the plane. The schedules must be shuffled around and their workload increases. I referred them to the book by literally pulling the pilot's operating handbook straight out of the seat back pocket of the smelly charred bird and walked them through the multitude of failures that led to my eventual intervention and fire suppression. I finished that conversation by stating that personnel safety is paramount and that ultimately not only was it a safe decision, it was a smart one with regards to the aircraft and how costly damage and loss could be. I made no apologies for stepping in and told them to brush up on their bloody hand signals for freak's sake. In the end, the plane got fixed and was flying again two days later. But, now with a well-known unaddressed hard starting issue which could lead to a repeat fire or near constantly dead battery. Here's to aviation safety. So, you literally put out a fire that was endangering all those people inside the cockpit, yet they're complaining to you about the additional work increased from that? They're the ones with operation failure to the point where the plane caught on fire, and then they ignored you when you were trying to get them aware of the fire that's going on. Literally, a potential life-saving action was done by OP, and they were complaining about it. That just blows my mind, honestly. This next story is by KidWRX, Make business trips with nobody to visit? Okay. Worked in sales for XYZ Company. Spring and fall were the busiest times with a pretty decent slowdown in summer. Works for me, could do my duties from home and spend the time with my wife and kids. Then comes the urgent company-wide phone meeting, explaining that we, sales department, need to be out visiting customers and getting face-to-face meetings. Okay, whatever, my accounts are all really cool. It's a free dinner at a decent place for them at the very least and agree to check their schedules. I plan a couple driving trips that loop around to some amazing places. I load the wife and kids in the truck and head out. An hour outside the first stop, I call to confirm the appointment and the guy apologized and won't be able to make it. Next day, same thing. Other than the fuel and hotel, I'm out of pocket for meals as I have my family with me on the low low. Boss calls, asks about expense reports, not having business meals or entertainment expenses. I try to explain and I'm cut off saying get it done. Well, okay. What comes next is multiple weeks of some of the best family trips ever. If there were customers that were able to keep the appointments, I was there and made some huge sales. If they weren't, there was still good restaurant receipts to add to the reports. Good hotels within the budget, awesome scenery and places that my kids still talk about. 
I felt bad at first, but when the company started laying boots on the ground people off and adding more executives, I didn't feel so bad anymore. Eventually, my department was axed along with a couple others and three upper middle managers were added. At some point, this company is going to realize that they killed all the essential positions and being like, wait, we have all this management, why aren't we making any more money? That company is going to be doomed for failure at that rate, they're just adding more executives to pad pockets? How are you even going to make sales anymore? I don't I don't get it. So quickly now, I want to explain just how to enter the giveaway. All you need to do is leave a comment on this video relevant to something you saw or heard or liked in any story in that video. That's it, you're entered. But it applies to every single video we upload this week. So to get the best odds at winning the $30 Amazon gift card giveaway, you'll want to leave a comment relating to any of those videos all week long. On Sunday, after the last video has gone out, I'll pick one comment at random and let you know on the following Monday who has won and then it starts all over again. So make sure you leave a relevant comment on this video and additionally every video I upload this week for the absolute best chance to win. And while you're at it, why don't you go ahead and give the videos a like too because it helps more than you could imagine. That being said, our final story of the day is by Bailey the Nerd, Work Badge Shenanigans. I apologize in advance as this is a very mild, if amusing, malicious compliance. Several months ago, I lost my badge for work. Now, this is an issue because I work IT and my job is going to about two dozen offices that need a security slash ID badge to get in. I tried for a week or two to get by with a temporary one that a coworker lent me while I tried to find the original. I didn't until last week. So it was time for a new badge. I contacted my manager and the HR person to get the ball rolling. As it turns out, the place I work for had somehow lost the original photo for my ID badge and needed me to send a new one so I could get it printed. So, of course, along with the request to send a new picture, I was sent a list of requirements which are as follows. Lighting must be sufficient to make all features identifiable and minimize shadows. Background must be unobtrusive and of light color. The face, neck, and shoulders must be visible, eyes must be open, the picture must be in focus. Hmm, did you notice what I noticed? There's absolutely no mention of specific or appropriate clothing to wear for the photo. I'm a person that likes to see what I can get away with, so I go home and get ready to take the picture. I happen to be a die-hard Marvel fanboy and have a very posh Deadpool cosplay that I bought because I have a problem with wisecracking characters with serious subplots for Halloween. So I donned the Deadpool costume, swords and all, minus the mask, and had my roommate take the picture and sent it in to HR. HR's response? I don't see a no cosplay rule in my picture requirements, so I'm going to go for it. I like your chutzpah. Now my official work badge, with enough security clearance that I can happily walk into pretty much any building I want in my city, has a picture of me dressed as Deadpool. Here's the pic for those curious. The Deadpool cosplay actually looks pretty cool and I would say that it could actually pass for some kind of stylish wear, which might also have helped get it through. And I know it's not Marvel, but I feel like if you showed up in the light blue Superman outfit with the big old emblem on your chest and the styled hair with the cowlick, you might get a little bit more of a pushback, but the Deadpool thing is kind of stylish, gotta say. 
But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today, so if you have a favorite story of the day, let me know which one and why in the comments down below. But besides that, if you enjoyed the video, please consider giving it a like and subscribe if you haven't. And make sure to click the bell to turn notifications on too so you'll never miss an upcoming video. No matter what you did, whether it was liking, commenting, subscribing, thank you for supporting me right here on the Storytime channel. It all helps the channel grow immensely, so thank you so very much for supporting me. I hope you all have a wonderful day, and until next time, I'll be reading even more stories to share with you guys right here on the Storytime channel.